Welcome back to Welcome to week six. It is great to hear you guys enjoying one another's company. And uh, how many of you guys are perfect six for six? Let's see those hands. That's great. Congratulations. How many does it include what? No, no. <laughs> how many of are perfect? How many of you are a perfect one for one? This is it tonight. First, wow, welcome. Wow, great. Well, thank you for being here. This is great tonight. We're talking about why and how do I pray. Before we get into this, I want to remind you again about the Alpha Weekend that is May 19th and 20th. It's also going to be a surprise party for my wife. Oh. Okay, anyway. Uh, May 19th, 20th, right here, dinner, 6.30. Look just uh, just like Tuesday nights will look. And then the next morning... Breakfast at 8.30, a great spread that uh, Chef Pete Shefferstein puts out for us. Uh, we've got a registration form for you. Um, again, this is, this is as costly as is everything with Alpha. So, uh, totally free. We want you to come and be a part of this. It is a highlight of the Alpha course and cannot encourage you more to be a part of uh, the Alpha weekend. I know that you will enjoy it. Um, now... Tonight we're going to, you know, you know, everything about Alpha is really an introduction. We're just really scratching the surface. Tonight I'm hoping as we talk about prayer, we can scratch the surface in such a way that it will make some impression on us and, and give us something of a deeper understanding of what God's perspective is. You know, my, my Christian life was pretty much, well, what I thought was a Christian life. My, my meological Christian life uh, was was pretty much from my perspective. I wanted God to see things from my perspective and react to me according to my perspective. Um, but when, way back in 1976, he opened my eyes to see that it was really a whole lot better for me if I saw things from his perspective, then my whole life was turned, not upside down, it had actually been upside down. He turned it right side up. And I was able to see it. I didn't have the vertigo that I used to have from the things that came to me. And so prayer is such an essential element of this thing we call the Christian life. And, uh, and really prayer, if, you know, the word prayer is, is one which, you know, we use it all the time. Uh, but we don't really have much, we don't really derive much meaning to it. We don't connect much meaning to it. So, you know, another word for prayer would be, uh, communication. So tonight, how and why do I pray to God? How and why do I communicate with God? How and why do I interact with God? Uh, why and how do I experience God? Prayer is about relational communication. And, you know, it's interesting as, you know, today, you know, think about technology in 2017 as opposed to 1917. We, we've come a long way, and we've actually had some, some newspaper, or a couple of newspaper articles that show that uh, as it pertained to uh, the advance of communication. Um, 
In the New York Times, it was written, after having dug to a depth of 10 feet last year, New York scientists found traces of copper wire dating back 100 years and came to the conclusion that their ancestors already had a telephone network more than 100 years ago. That was in New York. Then in the LA Times, we find not to be outdone by the New Yorkers in the weeks that followed, California scientists dug to a depth of 20 feet. Shortly thereafter, <clears throat> headlines in the LA Times read, California archaeologists have found traces of 200-year-old copper wire and have concluded that their ancestors already had an advanced high-tech communication network 100 years earlier than the New Yorkers. One week later, the Daily Advertiser, a local newspaper in Eunice, Louisiana, reported the following. After digging as deep as 30 feet in the rice fields near Fork Island, Boudreau, a, a self-taught archaeologist, reported that he found absolutely nothing. <laughs> Boudreaux has therefore concluded that at least 300 years ago, Louisiana had already gone wireless. <laughs> so, that's the state we live in. Far advanced in many ways. So tonight, an introduction to what is this thing called prayer? What is this communication with God as based on what the Bible says? Um, First, let me just say, what, what is prayer not? And I think we've been talking about this and getting an idea of this. Prayer is not, let's make a deal. Prayer is not, uh, God, I'll give you ten of these for one of those. Uh, it's, it's, it's not my thinking of things I can do to get God to do what I want him to do. Or I think I want him to to do. That, that's meology. That's using my accrued currency, my to plug into my blessed vending machine to get what I want, not get what I don't want. That's prayer on Frank's terms. It's transactional, not relational. One thing that we're going to find out tonight that God is not into the transactional when it comes to you and me. God is fully and completely, if what the Bible tells us is true, into relational, communicational, intimate communication with us. So prayer is, if what the Bible says is true, it is the most important activity of our lives. It's conversation. It's interaction with God. And, and the whole of the Godhead is involved. The Father is involved. The Son is involved. The Holy Spirit they're all involved. And, and just as we've talked about stereotypes that keep us out of, the, out of the pages of the Bible, things that we think we know about the Bible that we, but that we really don't like we talked about last week, those are, those are stereo, they're stereotypes of prayer that keep us from thinking about prayer and even praying biblically because we don't really know what prayer is. And biblical prayer is that which is proper biblically, personal, it's intimate. It's communicating with God, the creator of all things. And, and of course, the Bible is instrumental in teaching us what prayer, being with God is, and what it is not. Oswald Chambers, who's a missionary and author, he wrote this. He says, prayer 
is not a means of developing ourselves or getting what we want from God. Prayer is, I'm going to have to explain this to us a little bit more in a moment, prayer is the nourishment of God's life in us. Prayer is the way we get to know God. Now, you're going to notice that that two-letter word right here, God's life in us. Now, we talked about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that according to the Bible, there are two locations for human beings from God's perspective. We are either in Adam, and if in Adam, as such, we are separated from God, we are still, according to the Bible, uh, separated, dead, according to the Bible. Remember, separated from God. We do not have life. God is not in us. We do not have a relationship with God. We are creatures created by God, but we are not children of God according to the Bible. Again, don't believe a word I'm telling you. And I know several of you are having no problem with that from what I understand. Uh, But thank you for still coming anyway. So, but according to the Bible, if we are not children of God, our sins are still upon us. We are in Adam. We are separated from God. But if we are in Christ, when God sees us, He sees us as in Christ. He sees us with Christ. He sees us forgiven, accepted. He sees us as his children. And so this quote that Oswald Chambers gives us here, there is nourishment of God's life in us if God's life is in us. And the way God's life comes in us, as we've talked about all these times, is by communicating with God, saying to him, God, I need you. I need you to come in and to carry my burdens away. I need you to come and take control of my life. I've tried these number of years, and no matter how successful I've been, or no matter how hard I've tried, nothing is filling the hole that is in me. And so we see that prayer or communication with God is two-way. It's talking, it's listening. And that God speaks... It's interesting that God will speak to us directly through our senses, through others. I've found this through my whole life. And many of us, you can talk to your table host tonight, have experienced God speaking through, as I said, our senses, through others, through circumstances, of course, through the Bible. It's amazing how many times I've, I've needed to get an answer and I haven't just dropped the Bible open and done that. That's never, that's never worked. Um, But a a, a scripture will come to mind and I find it God directing me even through that. So so why pray? If God knows everything, why pray? Well, it it really is. It's a good question. And there's one really good answer if the Bible's true. And the answer is God instructs us to. He wants us to. Then you may ask, why does he want us to? (laughs) Maybe you didn't ask, but maybe you did. Well, the main reason why is that he wants... Now, now think about this. If this is true, think about this. He, why? He wants us, above everything else, to know him. To have a relationship with him. And he's the one, as supernatural God, who initiates that we, I mean, look at it. Why? Well, for God so, John 3.16, we've looked at this scripture before, I don't have it up on the screen. For God so loved us, 
that he gave, he came and he gave his son, that if we'd believe in him, we'd not perish. We'd not forever be plugged into death, but we'd be plugged into his life. So he came, he initiated. The Bible tells us it wasn't you who found God, it was God who came looking for you and came looking for me. He was the initiator of that, and that should impress you unless you have a very high opinion of yourself. And then another scripture we're familiar with here, but I love this, and I wanted to bring it back to us tonight. Where God is the initiator. He wants us to experience prayer. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm gentle. I'm humble of heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, come to me so that you can communicate with me. And the thing he wants to communicate with us is is this. You're only going to come if you realize you're weary and you're, uh, the, another translation said a burdened, is heavy laden. Right. Now, I don't know if any of you are in inventory or stuff like that, but if you, if you, if you pull a truck to the back of a, a building or whatever, and you open up the truck, and there's a bunch of stuff in that, somebody's going to present something called a bill of lading. Right? Are you, anybody familiar with that? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. For those of you who aren't, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Somebody will explain it to you. So basically, it's, it's, it's the invoice of everything that's in the truck. It's the invoice of everything that's in the truck. Well, Jesus says, if you understand that you're weary and you're heavy laden, that you've got an inventory of stuff in the back of your truck, if you've got junk in your trunk, right, then... I know this is, the, this is the biblical picture that you need to get here of this. <laughs> then Jesus is... <laughs> this is not a weight loss program. Jesus is saying, I am coming to take the junk out of your trunk. I'm tang- coming to take that. I'm taking all those things that are laying, weighing you down. But you're only going to come to me if you know that you're weary. And you're heavy laden. Now, maybe we don't know what's in our trunk. Because everything doesn't seem that weary. Or maybe it does seem that weary and you failed to let God show you, like I resisted God showing me, what was in my trunk. And when he revealed to me by his word, the inventory of the things that were weighing me down and keeping me from him... And I agreed with him. You know what I did? I came to him. And I exchanged my heavy ladenness with, the Bible says, his yoke, which is easy, and his burden, which is light. And so as we experience God in prayer, these are the things that he does. He opens our eyes, he lifts up the gate, he shows us what's in the in our hearts, if you will. And so it, it's it's important for you to, and me to see this. Um let's just look for a moment. Let's just take a look at some of the uh the instruction as to how to pray. Let's take some time doing that. So the Bible tells us that prayer is addressed 
to the father. It's not addressed to the maid. It's not addressed to the neighbor. It's not addressed to the school principal. Prayer is addressed to the father. Let's, let's see what Jesus has to say about that. Jesus says, Matthew records this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now what Jesus is not saying here is the only way and the only time you should pray is when you can find a room with a door on it and you can be alone with God. That's not what he's saying here. But he is attempting to get the attention of his disciples and you and me tonight to say this. See from God's perspective what God, what prayer means, what you and me communicating, interacting with God means to him. Go into your room. Close the door. And be with your father. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, I would argue and I, that the word reward there doesn't mean and he's going to give me the litany of all the things I've asked him to give me. I believe the reward there is the reward from God's perspective. And the reward from God's perspective is there's nothing greater than he can give us, that he can give us than a greater revelation of himself. Because he knows some stuff. And he has accomplished some things. And he is almighty. And he is all loving. You see, the whole motivation of this is God is saying, come to me, close the door, I want to be with you. So that you can know me and experience me. It is an incredible act of intimacy. This dad loves being with his kids. And so this, the scripture is clear, we pray to the Father. Uh, we pray through the Son. Now, again, hear this. This is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. So those who are in the wheelbarrow in Ephesus, this is what Paul is writing to them. For through him, that is Jesus, let me get this up here. We both, that's both our Jews and Gentiles, Jews and the rest of the world, have, I hear this, access to the Father by one Spirit. We have access to the Father by one Spirit. I mean, not only the, the, the bridge, his, his cross is the door that gives us access. And this is what I, I love about this. And just a, a thought that had, I, it popped in my head a while back is, <clears throat> imagine if you work for the largest company in the world. I don't know what the largest company in the world is, um, employee-wise. Maybe it's ExxonMobil. I, I don't know. Maybe it's Apple. I don't know, employee-wise. But let's say the, the, um, the chief executive officer, chairman of the board interviewed you for the position and accepted you into the position and said to you, whenever you have an issue, whenever you have a question, whenever you have a problem, whenever you're concerned about anything, all you need to do is come to me. Don't go to your manager. Don't go to your supervisor. Don't go to security. I want you to come directly to me. How would you feel about that? Pretty good, huh? Then, God says, come to me. No stops along the way. 
I want you to come to me. The God who knows everything there is to know about you and me and knows everything there is to know about everybody. He says, come to me. He has made access. You see, the access is made to him according to the scripture. Access is made to him by Jesus through him, through Jesus' cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus. And you and me accepting that, receiving the gift, saying I do. We have been given access because we have now been born into God's family and have become his sons and his daughters. And so, great news. There's one God. And there's one mediator between man and God. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, according to the scripture, we come to God, the creator of all things, the maker of you and me. And so we come, we pray to the Father, we pray through the Son, by virtue of the work of the Son, and we pray in the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, who the Bible calls also the Comforter, the one that does come alongside, He is the one who, who gives us the power and the direction to pray. I, I love this, what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Isn't this wonderful to know that when we don't even know how to pray for ourselves as followers of Christ, the Spirit of God Himself prays for us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus lives forever to make intercession for those who are His own. That God is, He is for us. He is drawing, calling us to Himself. And so we see that prayer is for the purpose of communicating with God which results in developing a deeper relationship with him just like it does with anybody else. The more you spend time with someone, that's what happens. But, but prayer is not just dialogue, as I've been trying to say, just not dialogue with anybody. Prayer is communication with God, conversation with God. It's not like, you know, during campaign season, your phone's ringing off the hook. You can't even have dinner because of all the phone calls that are coming. But imagine tonight if you got a call from the President of the United States. Would y'all excuse me just a second? You know, for, for 16 alphas, I had to do this with... President Obama, and now Trump's picking off for Yes, Mr. President. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. Yes, sir. Yeah. Greatest, greatest election ever. Yes, sir. Yes, biggest crowd ever. Yes, sir. No, no I'm talking about the alpha crowd. Yes, sir. Biggest. Yes, sir. Yeah. You want an alpha course for the Congress? Well, sir, I'm, I'm not sure we can, we can get together on that. But, hey, could I, can I get back with you? I'm kind of tied up right now. Okay. Thank you for not firing me. Yes. Okay. He always does that. He, oh, okay. So, anyway. But, I mean, I, it's, it's silly as that. What if, you, whatever your political persuasion is. All right, let's just say you are a, just as left-wing as they come. Or moderate. Whatever. You just don't even like 
anything about Donald Trump, except his hair, maybe. Um, you would still be, oh my God, you tell everybody that I got a call from the President of the United States. <clears throat> I would argue that if you've been here for any time, this God has been attempting to get through to every one of us. What if a call was coming from God himself? It's one thing to get a call from the President of the United States. Pretty cool. It's another thing to get a call from the God who created all things. He's a lot bigger than I think possibly we know. Um, you know, it's interesting. Even, even the, God's name speaks conversation and speaks communication. In John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning... In the beginning, John writes in the gospel, was the Word, see that, the name, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even his name says, I want to interact with you. I want you to know me. Yeah, and, and matter of fact, if you really want to know yourself, the more you know me, the more you'll know yourself. And then in John 17, Chapter 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life. That you know, not just know the Bible, not just know the rules. That you know what? The Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. How do you get to know anyone? You hang out with them. You spend time with them. You read their love letters. You talk to others that know them. See, this, this amazing miracle called prayer, conversation, communication, interaction, intimacy, is what God has made possible through His giving of His Son. That if we would believe in Him, if we would receive the gift... If we would recognize that we need Him more than anything, if we would surrender to Him, we would not perish, but have life, life now, and life on the other side of our last heartbeat. Eternal life is not about getting something and trying to hold on to it. Eternal life is about knowing this someone, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And really, how do we, how do we come to know, to know anyone? Is this is on. Is this on? It is on. Okay, I'm about to make somebody very uncomfortable. Zach, uh, Stacy. Okay. The reason I picked them out because they are a beautiful couple, and I'm sure you guys have all noticed that, right? Don't you agree? Thank you. Yeah. I do agree. Okay. Now, Zach, um, how long have you known Stacy? Seven years. How much did you trust her nine years ago? Completely. <laughs> this could be a long time here. <laughs> okay. I had, I had no reason to distrust her. Yeah, but did you know her nine years ago? No. So... Did you know her so you could, did you know that you could trust her nine years ago? Please just go along with me. 
No, I didn't. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. How much did you trust her uh, seven years ago? More. Yes. Right? Six years ago? More. At five? More. And why is that? Because I'm smart. <laughs> right? And there was something about her that said, this woman is... Perfect for me. I told you I was trustworthy. Smart. I know. Trust, trustworthy. Yes. Yes. Trustworthy. And the more, and, and, and so the more you knew her, the more you trusted her. The more you trusted her, the more you kind of liked her. Yes. Loved her. Yes. Right. And the more, more you loved her, this is where you could get in trouble. The more you loved her, the more you wanted to serve her. Right. Yes. Good. Okay. And that's because you, you, you hung out with her, right? Is that right? So you spent time with her. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Good. All right. So, thank you. That was, that was awesome. Stacy, you did. You were perfect. But do we see that the more, the more you know somebody, okay, that, hopefully the more you trust them. That's why you're hanging out with them more. You're knowing them, you're liking them, you're trusting them. The more you trust them, the more you love them, the more you love them, the more you serve them. I mean, that's what happens in intimate relationships. And that's what, that's what God wants you and me to experience with Him. The more time we spend with Him, the more we will know Him. The more we know Him, the more we will trust Him, love Him. The more we love Him, the more we'll trust Him. I'm sorry. And the more we serve Him, and you know what happens? The more we know, trust, love, and serve, the more we'll know them. The more we'll trust them. The more we'll love them. And that's like a snowball effect of intimacy. See, and, and the aspect of, of communication uh, in marriage is just is really a great analogy here. I mean, remember the analogy that I gave you all a couple of, uh, of weeks ago that Annette and me standing in front of the minister and... And him asking me all these questions about, you know, do you take a net and all this other stuff. And so let's say we finally got to the point where we both said, I do. He said, and I pronounce you man and wife. You may, you know, Frank, you may kiss your bride. So we do. And we, we leave the church. We go down the stairs. Everybody's standing out there. They've got the bird seed or whatever is politically correct to throw at weddings nowadays. And, and then everybody's just enjoying that. But strangely, there's, there's two limousines. Now, you typically don't see that. And the limousines are facing an op... Their bu- the, the bumpers, the back bumpers are against one another. And they're facing in opposite directions by virtue of the fact that their rear bumpers are hitting one another. And Annette gets into one of the limousines facing one way. And I get into the other limousine facing the other limousine. And then we pop our heads up out of the limousine, the sunroofs. And as they're driving away, we say, that was just a wonderful ceremony. Maybe we can get together again sometime. That would just be wonderful, don't you think? Now, have you ever seen that happen? Not immediately, right? Uh, But, you see, marriage, the wedding, rather, is only the beginning of something. It's, It's the end of something, right? It is the end of something. Remember I said last week, at every marriage, at every wedding, rather, there is a funeral. Okay? Something dies single the the husband and the wife they die to singleness and they enter into a new relationship see when we come to Jesus Christ we die to separation we die to being sinful 
people, we die to being separated from Him and we come alive to God. We're separated from separation and we're joined to being joined with Him. And, 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 and the interesting thing is this. Look, when, when we were married one hour, almost 39 years ago, how married was I after being married one hour? Was I any, ma- married any less than I am 39 years later? I'm just as married one hour or 39 years in one hour. Hopefully, in that 39 years, I've learned a few things along the way that makes me living more like a married man because I now have a whole lot more experience than I did one hour after we were married. We had just begun. We were completely married. I, I, completely, I was completely married to this woman. And I'm now, 39 years old, completely married to this woman. But there are things I've learned along the way because we have conversations and we communicate and we, and we enjoy and we interact and we're just there with one another. And by that, we've gotten to know one another. And that's what happens. If, look, if I've lived my whole life for myself, separated from God, living for myself, and then God brings me to the altar and says, I do. Jesus dies on the cross and says, I do, I want you. And I say, yes, I want you too. And I turn my back on my old life and I face him and say, take me. I've been born again an hour, a day, a year. I've got a lot more experience having lived on my own. And God says, the more you communicate with me, the more you converse with me, the more you interact with me, the more you'll know me, the more you'll trust me, the more you'll serve me, love me, the more you'll serve me, which will drive you to even know me even more. Um, but you know, that, that marriage relationship thing doesn't, doesn't work perfectly in, in every marriage, unfortunately. Uh, this couple had gone to Jerusalem um, and uh, his wife was somewhat the nagger through their years of marriage and while they were there on vacation in Jerusalem um, his wife suddenly passed away Uh, saw an undertaker the undertaker told the husband uh, you can have your wife shipped home, her body shipped home for $15,000 or we can bury her here in the Holy Land for $150. The man thought about it for a while and he said, you know what, I, I think we're just going to have her shipped home. And The undertaker was just flabbergasted. He said, why would you spend $15,000 when you can, $150, you can, she can be here in a beautiful resting space. Well, the man replied, he said, "Uh, well, um, long ago, um, a man died here. Um, And three years later, uh, three days later, um, he he rose from the dead. (laughs) I just can't take that chance. Uh, (laughs) So... Um, anyway, 
But what I wanted to do is I wanted to give um, this, this uh, I wanted to ask a couple tonight to come and, uh, and, and share something of their story with us. So I've asked David and Barbara Mueller to come and, and talk about what prayer has meant to them, what, what, what communicating with God has meant to them, what it's meant to their marriage, and, uh, and how they have come to know Christ uh, in their marriage. So welcome David and Barbara Mueller. Hosts of Table 14. Your, your table's praying for you right now. I can see them. Yeah, come on up. Just getting right. I can't have them in the background. It's okay. Sorry. I surrendered my life to Christ in June of 2012 after listening to a radio broadcast called Focus on the Family. It is a nationwide radio broadcast that helps families practically walk out the Christian life. On this particular broadcast, a woman told her story of her broken marriage being restored after she gave her life to God. Her atheist husband became a Christian, and 10 years later, they were in ministry together. At that time, my seven-year marriage was on the brink of divorce, and I couldn't help but relate to the woman on the radio. And I thought to myself, if her God is the same as my God, then why not save me? Why not restore my marriage? I wanted so badly for her story to be mine. So that day in my living room, I cried out to God, and I told him that I needed help. I needed him. So from there, I began to pray daily and eventually purchased a Bible and started to read God's word. But since I didn't regularly go to church at the time, and David and I weren't on good terms, I did this alone, praying and reading in the corner of my walk-in closet. The first thing that God showed me was that he didn't call me to him to fix my marriage. He called me for me to know him. So that is what he had me focus on, myself, knowing God. And in doing so, David saw me change tremendously. Before Christ, I was anxious all the time, and suddenly I had a peace that surpassed anything I could understand. And in time, I began to come out of my closet and tell David about what God was doing in my life. Six months later, a friend of mine suggested that David and I watch the movie Fireproof. It's a Christian movie about God restoring a broken marriage. We watched it together, and at the end of the movie, I looked at David, uh, where am I? And with tears streaming down his face, he said, I want to love you like that. I was, I was just amazed by God's faithfulness. I hugged David and replied, you can, with God's help. David had given his life to Christ in the living room of our house that I had done just six months prior. 
From that moment, God began to invade our world in a way we could never have imagined. Today, I'm so grateful to say that not only did he save me, he has saved my husband, and he has saved our marriage. I love David today more than ever. And as I continued to read my Bible, now anywhere in the house, I began to see the fellowship that God talks about. And I began to notice that the church we sometimes attended didn't seem to fit with what God had showed me in the Bible. Not only in the fellowship area, but in other biblical principles as well. And this left me confused on what to do. So David and I decided to pray to God for him to bring Christian people into our lives. And not one week later, I met a woman at Lakeshore Library. The first time I met her, I knew God brought her into our lives, even though we spoke nothing about our faith. I even told David this when I came home that day. Sure enough, this woman I met was the wife of one of the pastors here at Lakeview. She invited us to a marriage Um, married couples meeting, and although we had never attended Lakeview before, we went to the meeting. In time, we decided to try out Lakeview on Sundays, even though it wasn't the denomination we were accustomed to. We immediately felt welcomed and loved, but above all, I noticed that all the things that were being taught here were straight out of the Bible. Barbara and I decided to attend Alpha to learn more about what the Bible had to teach about our faith. We both knew we had more to learn, but we really didn't know how much more there was. Alpha helped Barbara and me understand what we were experiencing in our own individual walks with God. I gained clarity into biblical concepts I thought I knew but really didn't understand. Some concepts I thought were simple, yet by the end of the night I found that I hadn't fully appreciated how important those ideas were to my faith. What I learned each night affected me <clears throat> affected me on a much deeper level than I could have imagined. The lessons changed my life and helped me more confidently embrace my faith. I learned how to read the Bible at more than surface level, how to pray without reciting a memorized string of words, and what Christ's death really meant to my salvation. As we were being taught about the Holy Spirit, Barbara realized that the things she learned while praying and studying, while still in her closet, were evidences of God's love for us through the Holy Spirit. Just as important as what we learned are the friendships we've gained through sharing and learning with others during the Alpha Course. Life is not a journey we take alone, and our faith is continually challenged along the way. Having friends in the body of Christ that we can turn to and trust for good biblical advice is a blessing that cannot be underestimated, and that became very clear through Alpha. After Alpha, we knew we had found a new church home, We started to learn more and more each Sunday we attended church. And I'm so thankful that the Lakeview pastors teach the truth about the Christian walk, the unwavering truth about the Bible that even sometimes is not very easy to hear. Um, This was very helpful to us as we started to really walk out our faith in our daily lives. It's been about three and a half years since we first attended Alpha. And in that time, we've had much joy, but there's also been trials. We've experienced four miscarriages and had many other relational struggles with family and friends. But through it all, God strengthened our faith. And if we hadn't known the truth about what the Bible teaches, it would have been very easy to blame God and lose faith altogether. But we knew better. We knew that the Christian walk has sufferings, and in fact, struggles are guaranteed. But in the end, God uses all things for good, and he has done just that. Since those four miscarriages, we have had our healthy baby girl, 
who is now one year old. He has taken care of our every need and used it all to bring more and more people to himself. By God's grace, he has allowed David and I to help others with their broken marriages, and we have seen him restore things that seem to have no hope right before our eyes. We now minister to others together, just as the woman on the radio on the radio broadcast. And in God's wonderful grace, he even did more than that. He wanted to let me know undoubtedly that that woman's story did become my story. About nine months ago, Focus on the Family contacted me and told me they wanted to do a segment on our story. Um, I cried on and off for days when I got that call. I couldn't believe that God would use our story in the same avenue that I myself was saved. Our story was published a few months ago, and thousands of people have heard it. And I trust that God used it to have another person say to herself, if her God is this... Is this is the same as my God, then why not save me? Why not save my marriage? I want her story to be my story. And God can. God did. Thank you. The only reason I cried was because you cried, Barbara. No effect on me whatsoever. The president was affected too, in case you were. Wow. Thank you guys very much for doing that. It's not easy. And so we, you know, we, we see what God does in just the simplicity of taking him at his word. When he says, Barbara, come to me. Come to me. You know, Susie, come to me. John, come to, come to me. And I will I'll not only give you rest, I will, I love this, I will be your rest. You'll not find rest in things about me that I give you. You will find your rest in me that I give you. And this is what we grow to know the more we grow to know Him. And uh, there are... And the reward of communicating with God is experiencing and beginning to be transformed into the image of this God who tells us His life looks like love and joy and peace and gentleness and meekness and goodness and Kindness and self-control. That's what the life of Jesus Christ looks like. That's what the Bible calls the fruit, the fruitfulness of the Spirit. And so we see that here, that these are, these are things God promises us joy. He says, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be made full, that you will experience the fullness of me, which is joy, even when the tribulations come. It doesn't mean you're, you're grinning and just putting on a fake smile, getting through it. It means in the midst of even the deepest grief, there is still joy, knowing that God has promised never to leave us or forsake us. 
there's, there's peace that passes understanding. You know, when, uh, when Paul writes, do not be anxious for anything. Don't be full of care about anything, but in everything, by prayer, by communicating, conversing with God, by asking Him for things. And asking them with thanksgiving, saying, Lord, I'm thanking you that I can even ask you for this. I'm thanking you for the situation that I'm in, that you can prove yourself more to me. You can present with thanksgiving your request to God. And look at what it says here. And the peace of God, which passes our human understanding, all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. Guard our hearts, our emotions. Guard our minds, our intellects. In Christ Jesus. There's that in Christ Jesus again. And see, the beauty of communication with God, once I am in Christ, is I grow to know Him more and therefore come to Him now as His child, as His little boy, as His little girl. As my kids did, as Annette and my kids did with us. And that is a beautiful thing. They come because they trust us. Because they know they need us. But they also most joyfully come, for us most joyfully, come just to be with us. Because they love us. And nothing is more joyful to the heart of God than we just come to Him. Just to be with Him. All right, page 31. I don't know if you've even opened your books or I've even told you where to go, but does God always answer prayer? The answer, yes. He answers prayer sometimes, yes. He answers sometimes, yes, with not now. And he sometimes says, I have something better for you. No. And then he says, you've got to be out of your freaking mind if you think I'm going to answer that. Uh, because think about this, if from the economy of prayer most essentially being about knowing God, we need to see that prayer may or may not change things. But communicating with God, conversing with God, being with God, waiting before God, resting in Him, will always change the one praying. Will always change the one who is praying. And we see that God possibly may have even orchestrated the circumstances that we are, are in to bring us to Himself so that we will experience Him in the midst of whatever challenge we're going through. John Stott said, uh, pertaining God answering prayer, he said, If God says no, the requests are either not good in themselves or not good for us or for others, directly or indirectly, immediately, or ultimately, because God sees the whole picture. You and I just see a little bit of that picture. Jack Taylor, pastor, author, said, I believe I'm more grateful for the prayers God didn't say yes to than I am for the ones he did say yes to. Because if he'd have answered the ones he said no to, I'd been ruined. I love that. See, and, and so some of the ways in which we, we, we pray is that we use, we use the Bible to pray to God. It's, it's, this is how we get to know God, and this is how we get to know about Him. Now, I don't have time to do this, so I'm going to stand here and act like I'm doing it. I'm really not going to do this. 
Um, but you can take primarily, you can go anywhere in the scriptures and turn scripture into prayer. And if you look at the Psalms, the, the Psalms, you know, the P-S-A-L-M-S, the songs, okay, these are prayers. These are prayers. Like, for example, I'll just give you one that we all know. If you've gone to a funeral, you've heard this one. Uh, Psalm 23, right? I think it's too late. But Psalm 23 is a great scripture to know now, to have memorized now. And saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You guide my path in the right way for your namesake. And throughout Scripture, matter of fact, tonight, uh, I know your table hosts have some other uh, prayers in the Scripture that you can just uh, take and, and just Scripture that you can turn to prayer. But let's just, as we, as we close here, let's look at uh, the Our Father, Matthew 6, 9. The most famous prayer there is, Lord, how should we pray? His disciples asked Him. And when Jesus told them, he did not say, pray this as many times as you can, as often as you can, as quickly as you can, so that you can get everything you can. He didn't say that. He says, when you pray, pray this way, or pray like this. He was not setting up something that you and I could just do, which I was a pro at, mindlessly. Any more than you or I would want to have a conversation with our spouse or a best friend mindlessly. I've done that many times. It's not a good idea to do that. To not be connected when we're conversing and communicating. But let's look at this, what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the Lord's Prayer given to the disciples. But let's look at it more as a table of contents. Okay, the Our Father, we would call it. The Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, is a table of contents. And we would break that into chapters. And these would be the chapters of our communication book. Father, in heaven, holy is your name. And then stop. Before you go another place, before I go another step... Think about those words and meditate on those words. Our or my Father. If He is my Father, that means I'm in Christ. Holy is your name. You could stop there and go to your Bible and find all the places where it describes God as being holy. And you could just feast on that time with God saying dad the Greek Abba holy is your name chapter 2 your kingdom come right Lord your kingdom come the kingdom is what kingdom the domain of the king it's where the king lives your kingdom come well according to the scripture if I have surrendered my life to Christ gotten in the wheelbarrow become a Christ follower said I do receive the gift the Bible says that his kingdom is now established within me. I become the dwelling place of God according to the scripture. So your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. 
in me. Now it's a surrendering of control. You're king. I want you to be the king of my life. Your will be done on earth. In me. Like you want it to be. Like it is in heaven. I mean, this is, what this does is it places God's will above my will in all things. It says, Lord, above anything I want for Annette or for my business or for the Alpha Course or for my finances or my children or anything, your will be done. Because you know better than I do, even though I don't act like that very much. I do believe that. And the more I know Him, the more I do believe that. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, it's a good thing for us to ask God these things. It's a good thing to pray for our daily needs. God wants us just like we want our children to come to us with the needs that they have, depending upon their age. Um, but dependent in every way upon Him. Then forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses as we forgive debtors. I mean, really, think about this. Father, who is there on this planet that I am harboring ill will toward? Who will I not forgive? Who do I resent? Who do I hold a grudge against? Who do I not even like thinking about them or being in the same room as them? I mean, just stop for a second. Think of this for a moment, just, just with me. and Think of the worst thing that you've ever done. Worst thing you've ever done. You got it? Okay, who's going to go first? No, okay. Um, I know something worse that you have done. Um, nothing that they have done to you could be worse than what you did or I did to the Son of God because it was my sin that drove him in his love for me to the cross. And so if God, who holds perfectly high standards, says, I have come to get you and forgive you, what? Who am I to say, nope, not you. I will never forgive you. See, there we will be bound our whole lives by that person that we refuse to forgive and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil or the evil one you say thank you that you do not lead me into evil but unfortunately often I lead myself there and fall into a big fat trap Lord lead me not into temptation show me but deliver me from the evil one and so in the midst of all this, what does the Bible tell us? God loves us. God has pursued us. He wants to converse, communicate, interact, impact our lives through our speaking to Him and His listening and His speaking to us and our listening so that we grow to know Him more, trust Him more, love Him more, and serve Him more. So the greatest, the most important prayer Communication with God is the prayer of surrender to Jesus Christ. That prayer creates new beginnings. That prayer takes me out of Adam, out of death, and places me into 
the life of the eternal Son of God and makes me one with Him, Father, one with Him, Son, and one with Him, Holy Spirit. And I just, as I, as I close tonight, I just, I just want to encourage you. If you've not given the deed of your life over to the Lord, if you've not backed up your truck and seen what the bill of lading is that you're holding on to, but tonight you are seeing that and say, I want you to take everything that there is about me, good, bad, and primarily ugly, and I want you to take over. I want to give you all of my burdens. I want to give you everything about me, and I want to take everything that there is about you. You can do that just right now. Because Jesus has already done everything that it's taken for you and me to experience Him. And it's just like when I stood at the altar with Annette. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, hanged from a cross, and as he was dying, he said to each and every one of us, I do receive you. When he died in his love, he came so that we could receive him because he received us. The question is, tonight, do you receive him? Not a new religion, not a new denomination. Not a new church to go to. The person of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That's it. He's come to us. He's called us to to Him. Now what will I do with this invitation? He's just an I do away. He's just I want a new life. I want you. Come in and change me from the inside out. Take this heavy burden and replace it with yours. I accept you and the life that you have for me abundantly. Okay. Oh boy. All right. Well, I'm done. Remember, um, about the the Alpha weekend, would love you to come fill out your uh, registration. Uh, Next week, Pastor Keith's going to be back next week. How can I resist evil is the topic next week. And want you to... um, Maybe study up on that. Look at that. And so thank you again. We love you being here. Thank you for coming. Let's take a quick break.